0: five a breaking cafe with bowgen and barry barry we're going to title this one the it's in the book episode and if you <laughs> went to the cwf legends fan fest you certainly get that reference it was something that may have been said more than once or twice by one of the guests at the fan fest that's all i'm going to say barry rose how you doing today my man
1: i'm doing good i'm feeling i'm definitely on the upswing Feeling pretty good. So, yeah, excited to be here, Jeff.
0: Okay. Well, just uh, temper your uh, your expectations. So, on this particular episode, we are going, oh, to the venerable rings of the Olympic auditorium in 1978. Roddy Piper taking on Chavo Guerrero, the original Chavo Guerrero, by the way. Not Junior, because it was 1978, after all. Besides all that, we will be offering Tales of Lutes. Yes, we're going to be talking about the weekend of the CWF Legends Fan Fest. Lots of fun was had, lots of stories, some that we can tell on the air, some that we can't, quite frankly. Uh, We will also be doing a movie-television discussion about some movies and television shows we've recently seen. We're going to be offering Florida Man or not, we're going to be—oh, Barry, it's been a hot tick since we did this—F, marry, or kill! And we're bringing back kill, by the way, for those of you that objected to that term. Besides all that, we have a movie review, Barry— Flash Dance with Jennifer Beals. Holy crap, Barry, can you believe it's been almost 40 years since Flash Dance came out?
1: So here's the weird this and this is the most bizarre thing. We recorded this segment a couple of days earlier, this flash dance segment. I get a message from JB Thomas, who lives in Pittsburgh two or three days ago, and he says to me, Have you guys ever discussed Flash Dance? It's such a big part of, of Pittsburgh culture. And I'm like, are you like reading our minds here? What exactly what's happening? So how has it been 40 years since this movie? How has it been 40 years since we were in high school, Jeff?
0: Well, that's another story for another time. Uh, I don't know about you, but I graduated in 1999, I think, something like that. But uh, Or maybe I'm talking about when one of my marriages ended. I can't remember. So besides all that, tons of fun for you, the listener. Barry, why don't we go to our Match of the Week? Barry, time once again for our Match of the Week. What? It- this That's right. Match of the week. This week, we're going back to 1978. Oh, Barry, the good old days, 1978. And we are going to the historic Olympic Auditorium and one of your favorite cities on the planet, Los Angeles, California. We are talking Roddy Piper versus Chavo Guerrero. Special thanks to our, uh, our friend Roy Lucier for posting this match, which I had a chance to watch. i to be honest, this is not a 50-minute, uh, a you know, Billy Robinson match. This is a quick in, quick out match. But holy shit, Barry Roddy Piper,
1: how on fire was he at this point? Roddy Piper, even at this young stage, and I want to say he's only got maybe two years, maybe two and a half years of experience. And I think that was small promotion for the most part. Experience Roddy Piper is right out of the gate. This guy's a million dollars. I mean, you can see it. He clearly has got superstar written all over him. Doesn't look like a lot physically, right? Looks as white as milk. Uh, has it doesn't look like he's ever spent any time in a gym at the same time. This energy and this enthusiasm, which really is what Roddy Piper was known for in later years, it's so evident right off the bat. A couple of notes with this, too. Should say you mentioned Roy Lucer. Roy was uh, in Philadelphia over the last few days. I did not get, I mean, I avoid Roy at all costs, so I did not get a chance to meet up with him, but I know that he posted some photos. He was at Lucha Expo taking place within Philadelphia, met up with Eric Cholminski, I think a couple of other fans locally. And it is funny too, every time I'm in Los Angeles, one of the things that goes through my head is maybe I should drive by the old Olympic auditorium. I love the old buildings, especially if they're they're still erect, if you will. And I, uh, I much I, like you back in the day, Barry, when you were well, erect, in but, 1978. Uh, yeah, it was I, like yeah, 24 then, hours course, a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was about what 13 years old, I think. <laughs> this match took so it was like 24 hours a day, of course. You Knowing
0: your parents, your dad had probably given you the description to, uh, you know, what, penthouse. Hustle, oh, yeah. Or yeah.
1: My, my parents had already, like, no, they'd give me the keys of the house, some, some Playboy 20 bucks, and like, here. Go ahead, do whatever you need to do. We'll see in a week or so. But I never go by, I believe it's a a church of some sort now, like a a Korean church or Korean-based church. I I don't know. But uh, I always want to go by. But as Jeff said at the very top when he was describing this match, this is not some match that you're going to walk away from and go, my God, I've never seen anything like it. But what you really are seeing is a window here of what was probably the last great feud of a once great territory. And even by this stage, the L.A. territory, the LaBelle territory, had already taken a a significant dip. I mean, there was a period there in the late 60s into early 70s where this was one of the hottest territories. A lot had to do with John Tolis, Freddie Blassie, Mil Mil Moscaris, a bunch of other guys. Gordman and Goliath. Gordman, which really, I think they were still here during this era as well. But you know this territory was just being booked correctly and it was one of the hottest territories in the country and by the late 70s it had fallen off absolutely dramatically and chavo and roddy i were definitely two of the the highlights if not the 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 two biggest highlights and roddy was surrounding himself it was interesting too like you've got chavo who is really coming into his own and really solidifying his reputation, and a good reputation, not the bad one, but a good reputation of being one of the top workers in the U.S. He had it all going for him, but there was, wasn't was a lot of talent out there. And Roddy would align himself with guys, and it was guys who would be his partner, come in to face the Guerreros. And it was guys like that really were having trouble getting hired in other territories. Butcher Vashon, who was over the hill. Don Fargo, over the hill. There was a bunch of these guys, Ron Bass, who was not over the hill, but Ron Bass was essentially a rookie, an up-and-comer at this point, because so I think he started around 75. So, you know, interesting to see what I liked about this. The, the, the promo that Piper does before the match is classic Roddy Piper. Even at this stage, he's challenging all the Guerreros, including the mother, which I thought was great, you know. The Japanese guy with Piper was Dr. Hiro Ota. And as I'm looking, I'm going, why does this guy look so familiar? It was Yasu Fuji. And Yasu Fuji was a guy spent some time in, in Florida in the late 60s and really never became a big star, but was part of the split that occurred in Knoxville with Ron Fuller and Bob Roop, Angelo Paffa, et cetera. And I think he was, I want to say, I, I don't know what his connection was. It might have been Malenko, but he did this gimmick for ICW, or might, might have even been All-Star at that point before they became ICW, and he was doing this gimmick of Colonel Yankee, and it was spelled Y-A-N uh, space capital K and Y, like K-Y jelly. So Colonel Yankee, and he was doing a rebel colonel gimmick, obviously Japanese, so it added a lot to, the, uh, to the, what the gimmick was. It was very unusual. Never made it big. Last I heard, and I read this maybe a couple of years ago, he was uh, operating a jet ski rental or watercraft business in Hawaii, uh, which is something that King Curtis, I think, and his son had done in later years. So thought that was kind of interesting. The match is odd because at some point, Chavo's outside the ring. He's brawling with Yasu, Dr. Hiro Oda, and then Oda gets in the ring. I think Chavo throws him in the ring. Piper gets out of the ring and the match just inexplicably flips over to Dr. Hiro Oda versus Chavo Guerrero. Uh, <laughs> apparently it was Lucha <laughs> Rules. Okay. <laughs> Something made no sense there. And if they explain it in Spanish, I know I didn't understand it. So I thought that was funny. And, and look, it's a it's an interesting match. Again, nothing is going to happen here that's going to cause you to go, oh my God, I've got to, you know, this is unbelievable. Chavo really was a star. Uh, at this stage, the the ending is kind of interesting because, um, spoiler, shut, shut, you know, lower your volume if you don't want to hear it. But the heels actually win this one too. And I don't think Chavo was doing a lot of jobs at this stage. So I do find that interesting. Johnny Red Shoes Dugan, legendary referee, the original Red Shoes when it came to a Red Shoes referee. And he takes the old salt in the eyes gimmick. And out to the rescue, the younger brother of Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Bockwinkle, comes out to to make the save as it was and really didn't make a save. But fun match, nothing spectacular. But if you like Roddy Piper, you want a good look at the early days of Roddy Piper, this is probably the match for you.
0: You did not mention the involvement at the end of Hector Guerrero uh, and what I think had to be uh, one of his shining moments of his career as he came out and got involved also. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of, uh, as they used to say, schmaz in this, uh, in this match, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, Johnny red shoes, Dugan. It's funny. You see him, you see uh, Jimmy Lennon, two guys that are just legendary figures in the wrestling business. And here they are with this promotion that let's be honest, is slowly <laughs> spiraling to a, to a, a finale here. Mike LaBelle, and uh, the promoters out in L.A. It was originally what was the woman's name? Was it Eileen Eaton?
1: Eileen Eaton. Yeah. Okay. And and, and she had, was married to Cal Eaton. Yes. And then she hooked up with the original Jules Strongbow.
0: Yes. And they ran and for years. Th- they just had a legendary run. And this was this promotion was a really big deal for a long time. Yeah. And here and then in a lot of ways. Very similar to the way Roy Shires started going down the, you know, the spiraling down really about the same time, too, uh, because Shires had been such a a dominant promotion in the northern part of California. And here in the southern part of California, uh, you know, uh, Eaton, Strongbow and LaBelle had been such a strong force for so many years. And here we see the promotion sort of in the last vestiges, excellent use of the word
1: Oh, have we remember. ever used this yes. word vestiges.
0: I, I And you know, what? you know what else I remember about the promotion this time? Uh, you had, uh, right around this general time frame, uh, a very young uh, Tom Pritchard came in. Yes. Uh, I mean, he was like maybe like 19 or 20 at the most. And I also remember, because we used to have this on uh, the old Channel 23, the Spanish uh, station in South Florida, used to show this on Saturday nights, And I remember seeing Walter Johnson, former uh, NFL football player for the Browns, uh, after his football career was over. He got a run uh, in the uh, Los Angeles. Oh, he was terrible, too. Oh, yeah, he was awful. But, uh, you know, so uh, a little shout out to our boy Javorski there. I'm mentioning a former Cleveland Browns player. But let me just say one thing that you kind of didn't really mention here about uh, the Roddy Piper thing. How genius was this? At the beginning of the match, as Jimmy Lennon is doing the uh, the introductions, Roddy Piper is standing next to him, and he hands him a piece of paper, and he has Jimmy Lennon list off all the titles that Roddy Piper has held. And, oh, my God, it is hilarious. It's brilliant from a heel point of view. Because, like, you know, you go, a former America's champion, and Roddy Piper's nodding his head, a former beat-the-champ, uh, you know, champion. And Roddy Piper's nodding his head. And I'm sitting there thinking – boy, this would be awesome if MJF would would have some sort of gimmick like this, where he makes the, you know, because he's he's in a way forcing the announcer to list his credentials, and I thought that was just so brilliant, and, you know, somebody like MJF, if he could see this tape, boy, that'd be a great gimmick for him to use also. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Oda coming out in Piper's Corner. Uh, he was part of the whole schmaz, uh, and yeah, Barry's right. There's no groundbreaking technical wrestling going on. This is a, uh, a window, a look into a young Roddy Piper. I know there's a lot of people out there that are Roddy Piper fans. I was a big Roddy Piper fan back in the day also. And just seeing uh, more so his personality than his, you know, that he's out there doing some sort of uh, Jack Briscoe uh, type of Billy Robinson moves. No, it's the personality of Roddy Piper that shines through. And this is like literally a ray of light on a promotion that's getting ready to go, you know, dark literally and figuratively. Um, very poetic there. I think you'll agree, Barry. But uh, so we will post a link to this match. Uh, once again, thank you to Roy. Hey, is it Lucier
1: or Lucier? How, how does Roy pronounce his name? Do you know? No. That, I was just going to say, is it Lucier, Lucier? I have no idea, Jeff. Gentlemen, it's, it's yes. Lucier. All right.
0: Well, it's Roy. Thank you, Roy. That's Roy. We will post a link to this match in our uh, group, uh, Breaking cafe faba Battered and Barry. It's a good, fun look at it. Uh, it less than 15 minutes, please. Uh, avail yourself the opportunity to watch Roddy Piper before he became a huge, huge star. Uh, you, you catch a look and, and a glimpse at him, and, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, hey, this guy's going to be a real big deal uh, real soon, and he ends up uh, being exactly that. Barry, now it is time to talk about loot. Yes, I know we have people in the group that are waiting breathlessly, some of them out there, I'm not going to say attention horrors, but I think you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> who are sitting there dying, biting their fingernails, going, am I going to get a mention? No, no, I know who you're thinking. Of. You're not going to get a mention. That guy, one guy specifically, you know who I'm talking about, Barry. I don't want oh, to know exactly who you're because talking. he's sitting there waiting with bated breath, waiting to see if his name gets mentioned. No, you're not going to get mentioned. Let's talk about some Barry. Number one, I ate salad. Wow. Well, it, it was two pieces of like two leaves.
1: <laughs> it was two leaves. It wasn't. Yes. And so Jeff had ordered. Uh, so the, we, we should talk also because food played such a huge part yes. of this. We went to, uh, which I believe was chosen by the sainted Mrs. Baudrin. Correcto mundo. We went to a place called Ford's garage and Ford's garage. There's uh, there's several hundred, maybe 200 locations nationally. I have never been to one. And. I had driven by that because when I get off from my trip from when you get Ford, off, what, what when I get off, when okay. I get off, I'm getting off. But when I uh, when I get off the interstate, it brings me directly by there. So I had driven by there a few times. There's also a cheddar scratch kitchen, which I'm a big fan of. So Ford's garage was there. We did a nice lunch. Jeff, what are we thinking? 30 people that day? Uh, pro- yeah, that's probably probably a good guesstimate. We had two, if I'm correct, two very long tables. I would say somewhere between 15 15 people each table. Jeff and I were at a table. Uh, David White was at a table. Flaherty was there. Mrs. Bowdren obviously. The Coke Zero guy was there. Newton White was at the next table, but I kept looking over at Newton because— Tell the folks the story if they don't know about Newton White. Yeah, so uh, this would have been ah, Friday afternoon, Thursday night. I don't know. but. There's a couple of guys sitting in the lobby and I recognize all these faces and there's two guys and I have no idea who they are. So I look over and I think I asked them and I'm like, do we know this guy? Is he part of our group? You know, he's in he's in our little where we're sitting. And they said, I think he's with the fan fest, but we don't know. I go up, and introduce myself. Turns out it's Chuck Campbell and Chuck, uh listener, Chuck, very active now in our Facebook group. Chuck brought along Newton White. So he introduces me to Newton Newton White, one of the chemists and creators of Coke Zero. So uh, I know who I'm going to be going to in the future if we need anything for Fan Fest, because Newton White's the guy. But it was kind of cool. We went to Ford the next School Fan Ross. Fest will be sponsored
0: by Newton White.
1: Sponsored by <laughs> Newton White. We're bringing in Flair, Hogan, Stone Cold, Steve Austin. We're flying uh, Okada over from Japan. <laughs> exactly. From that sweet Newton White money. Yeah. Exactly, we're gonna call it the Newton White Fan Fest at this stage. But look, whatever works works. And uh, Penzer is out. Penzer is gone. Penzer and his pennies are gone, and we're we're leaning on the Coke Zero money from this stage going forward. But we had a really really good lunch. It was a lot of fun. Kim actually got the onion ring appetizer, which Jeff still would not touch. Yeah, it's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. I don't is it, is an onion a vegetable? I don't even know, but love onions, and then uh, the food showed up, got to say. So I actually got, I really did get a salad, uh, a real salad, but Jeff got the uh, like bang, bang shrimp, essentially the spicy shrimp. And there was two, I'm going to say they were about an inch long, maybe an inch and a half pieces of green and uh, uh, if you will. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was complete, complete garnish. Like it wasn't meant to even be consumed. And I think it was David white that filmed it of Jeff eating a salad. So Jeff, you lived, you you had some lettuce, you had a vegetable and look, you continue Hello. to breathe. That's the good thing. But I got to say Ford's Garage did a really nice job. And one of those things unfortunately, which I don't like to do, but if you're ever in the restaurant business, whether a server or manager, Jeff, you're always going to have a critical eye. It just it's just the nature of the beast. And even you because you and I will be out and you'll be like, is this right? Is this right? So just in in talking, even you've got this critical eye now, and you know our server. Uh, she was super cute, by the way. I didn't did notice.
0: A, I'm a married man, Barry.
1: Yeah, and I have a girlfriend, and I didn't notice. It was pointed out to me from Dave Flaherty, who did not use the word super cute. It was a little more graphic, but with that, she was uh, really did a great job. And big parties for restaurants is it's a great opportunity to fuck everything up. Because uh, every if it can go wrong, it'll go wrong if there's a big party. This did not happen with this. And uh, she did a great job. She was organized. Food came out. Uh, reasonable time. Our food went directly in front of us. There was no auctioning off. Who gets this? Who gets that? There was none of that. Prices were reasonable. But the big thing was we walked into a place that essentially could have been a Chili's, right? It could have been... That kind of a restaurant, and I got to tell you, was head and shoulders above a corporate restaurant. At least what we think of as a corporate restaurant. The food, again, I got a salad, but I, I she recommended the salad. Did you get the big salad, Barry? What, what's a big salad?
0: Well, you know, it's about uh, five ninety nine, something like that. But you, t- uh,
1: you take two salads and put them in a bowl. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I will say somebody got a salad. I believe this might be Neely, and Neely. Uh, Who? Neely Neely J trying to fool himself that I'll eat salad which will be healthy, but I saw the price of the salad. It was like twenty three dollars because he was adding stuff. Now it may not be Neely, but I somehow think it was because I know that he got a salad. Just ejaculated for the third time at the mention of his name. By the way, twenty three dollars salad with all the shit that he had added into it, and I got a salad. I think it was fourteen bucks. I got to say though, fantastic. And the reason I got that salad, not only because I was fighting certain health issues, but at the same time, I, I realized that there probably would be some, uh, <gasps> pardon me, debauchery, yeah, you. thank you, when it came to eating. So I was trying to get something healthy in there. But, uh, and w- we also talked about the Saint and Mrs. Bowdrin and her chicken fingers. So she got chicken fingers and I said it to you and then Kim and I talked about it. These were fresh chicken fingers. This was not a frozen product. You can tell by the body of the chicken. These This was raw chicken that had been dredged in a flour and then fried. There was nothing frozen about it. So high quality meal at Ford's garage will not be my last time at a Ford's garage for sure. Uh, and on that note, I'm gonna Google and see if there's one even close to me, Jeff, because I enjoyed it so much.
0: Yeah, the uh, the lovely waitress uh, did a very good job. Now, Barry, as you're Googling, let's refresh the story since we mentioned the name Flaherty. Tell the folks a story about Flaherty and his tipping policy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when you ask. Oh, Dave, get ready.
0: This is just the beginning of the boots being
1: hit on you. Go ahead. You say things like you guys are going to put me over on the podcast. This this is part of the fallout that does occur. So wait a minute. I I do remember
0: before we get to the Flaherty and and his check story. So we played a rib on Barry where Barry had stepped out for a second uh, and so the waitress came over and I said, Hey, do me a favor. I said, uh, these are all separate checks. I said, can you do it where you bring one, like a check for the entire party and give it to Barry here and say, uh, we understand that you were taking care of this. <laughs> and, and so uh, how much, do you remember how much that was? You no,
1: know, I think it was $480 or at yes. least
0: close to it. And, uh, you know, knowing that you had the pins or money behind you, you of course oh, were yeah. willing to pay for it, you know, very quickly, but, uh, you realized it was a rib. So then the, the checks were beginning to get passed out. Flaherty gets his bill, tell the folks
1: what Dave did. So he gets his bill and it was $38 in change. And he says to us, and again, you and I are sitting right next to each other, and he looks at us and says, so this is good. This is $38 in change, I'm gonna leave $44, which would make it, the tip being $5 in change, which is somewhere like 12% or 11%. And we both kind of look at him and we're like, Dave, you can't do that. And he said, well, I I just got a lot of beer, which in his defense, he got an entree, which I think was a sandwich and then got several beers. But we but he did say the sandwich was like, oh, my God, this is the best sandwich I've ever had. Oh, no, he loved it. He and he he was happy with the service. He was happy with everything. But we we had to we had to gently educate him that, you know, you do want to leave 20 percent, which is the right thing to do. If you want to leave more, that's great. But Anything below 20, if the service is good, really is... Especially not- for such a large party, you know. Yeah, you know we're not easy. I mean, at the end of... And we actually were easy, all things considered, but a lot, 30 people trying to get the food and drink orders for 30 people is a challenge. So uh, so we, we were on Dave heavy about that. And this continued on the car ride back to the hotel where we just kept saying, Dave, 11%, 12%, <laughs> that's all you're leaving? <laughs> we gave him a lot of shit over that, Jeff.
0: Oh, so, uh, then amongst other things that happened, uh, we had a, a a lovely evening out at, uh, the local wrestling matches, uh, thanks to our friend, uh, Sean Davis and, uh, just, uh, you know, we have other parts of the show where it's going to be mentioned in more details, but we got to tell once again, the Flaherty story about what happened at the matches because it was so priceless. So we're sitting in the front row. It's, it's, uh, it's Barry, me, Flaherty, Um, Cholminski and Letterberg are making up the front row. And we've got a whole group behind us. was probably 20 to 25 guys, right? That went to the local indie show, right? Easy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and and it was great because the guys on the card had a good time interacting with us. And, you know, and we would give them, you know, heat and they'd come back at us. And so there was a a young tag team in the main event. Uh, Do you remember what their name was?
1: They were fuck. I don't remember now.
0: Okay, uh, so it, in the interview with Sean uh, that we did, uh, their name is mentioned. Uh, so anyway, so part of their gimmick, much like in a, in a Million Dollar Man kind of ways, they come out and they throw a fake money in the air because uh, they're uh, you know they're so rich and wealthy they got money to throw away. And so uh, so Flaherty is just you know like uh, he's being Flaherty, professional heckler, right? And uh, so you know he's got this uh, his shtick that he does at the matches where he'll sit there and. He'll say, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, you know, you know, so's your mother. Oh, that was a nasty crack. Speaking of nasty cracks, how's your sister? You know, and he'll say something like that. And so um, I'm pushing him to keep going and he's getting up. So uh, Flaherty at, uh, well, what's Flaherty now? 85? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a good day, yes. So uh, Flaherty is uh, uh, getting to an advanced age. He's wearing sandals, okay? Uh, by the way, we could do a whole episode on, on Dave's feet, but that's another oh. story for another time. But what happens is the one guy looks down and as Dave is like you know going back and forth verbally with him the guy says hey take out your dentures old man uh you know I, I can't understand you and then he looks down and sees that Dave is wearing sandals and he says you're wearing sandals what kind of man your age wears sandals and oh my god the the, the crew that we're with is just absolutely losing it and then we come to the point in the match where it's to go home for the match and the guy, uh, the the heel team is lost, and the one guy's in on the ground right in front of us. And he looks up, and he's holding the fake money in his hand. He goes, "This is what it's all about. It's all about you know the money and stuff like that." So Dave reaches into his pocket. and He's got uh, yeah the old Chicago bankroll, and uh, he holds it up. He goes, "No, no, this is what it's all about." He's got a twenty, and inside it are uh, more than a few ones. Okay, that's what a Chicago bankroll is. And so he goes, "This is what it's all about. This is you know money. This is what it's all about." And I go and slap Dave's hand and the money falls out of Dave's hand onto the guy's chest. Okay. Dave picks up the 20 and most of it, but a couple of the ones, the guy grabs, sticks them down the front of his pants. Okay. And Dave turns like this sort of slow motion turn and looks at me with his mouth open. And I know Cholminski said it was the funniest thing he's ever seen. And Barry, you told me it was absolutely hilarious too.
1: It was, I, Look, we have said numerous times that if you go to a wrestling event, it it, it really is an incumbent upon the matches being all five stars to have a great time. And no, not I, at all. Exactly. And and this night, I I don't know if any of the matches and, it, you know, it, I don't know if we're looking at a rating scale. I don't. Again, these are mostly students, if not all students, with the exception of Cahagas. Uh, who really looked super impressive as he beat the shit out of this guy. But this was the interaction between the crowd and the guys in the ring and not just Flaherty yourself as well. There were some others. But I got to say, you and Flaherty took the ball on this. And then Flaherty really took the ball. And, and look, he was borderline on some of these comments. And there was one point where I fully expected Sean to come out and ask me to control my people uh, because Flaherty <laughs> was, didn't. I mean, Flaherty was really borderline with some of this stuff. But to, to the credit of the wrestlers, and again, these are mostly young guys who are, who are learning. They gave it back to Flaherty and then some. And the interaction between you two and and the wrestlers was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Of course, the highlight was this main event where, you know, where the money guys had completely forgot. But the one, the one's name is Bentley. And Bentley was Bentley and Bud, Bud being the overweight guy. Yeah, sort of an Adrian Adonis uh, looking guy. I think The other guy was like Connor or something like that. Something like that. It was like Connor. But. Bud and and Bentley were really hammering Flaherty. And for everything Flaherty would say, they would come right back with something. And Bentley was great because Bentley got, there was one point where Bentley was thrown out directly in front of Flaherty. He looks up at Dave, gives Dave the finger like right to his face. And then Dave, as you mentioned, starts to show off, breaks out the (laughs) bankroll. I saw it. So Dave is taunting just, Picture this Dave is sitting in the front row. there's a wrestler on the ground in front of him, maybe a foot, a foot away, and he's facing upwards and Dave has got a wad of bills and he's flashing this money going, this is what real money looks like, you loser to the wrestler Jeff in the funniest moment of the weekend, Jeff slaps Flaherty's hand. the money goes flying onto this guy. He grabs the bill, shoves him down the front of his pants, looks at Flaherty and starts laughing. Flaherty stands up with this look on his face of extreme anger and just runs out of the runs out of the room where the wrestling was taking place. <laughs> like just remember, just gone, gone like the fucking wind. He was gone. I'll tell you, Eric Cholminsky was right. That may have been. That is certainly up there with. One of the best times I've ever had at wrestling, I paid $10 for a ticket, and I, after two and a half hour later, uh, they should have been paying me. I, I should have been paying them more because it was that much fun. I had that good of a time. Uh, so I, again, you're going to hear more from Sean Davis, I believe, on our Patreon, Jeff. And you're going to want to listen to this interview, and I, I really encourage you if you make it down to the Tampa region, it's in Port Ritchie, if I'm correct. It's I every Friday, run once a week, don't they? Yeah, every Friday night yeah. at seven o'clock. It is. Uh, it's the World Wrestling Network Proving Ground. There's only about 60 seats, give or take. That's in there. So you want to get there early. You want to get a seat. Ten bucks is going to get you two and a half hours, and you're going to have a blast. This may be the best bargain in entertainment, Jeff, at this moment.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You were talking about how some things uh, were said by Flaherty that were, if not over the line, very close to the line. So you have to understand when this happened, uh, there was a very famous court case that had just like literally a day or two before had been uh, resolved. And so uh, and I'm going to reference that in a second. So as we're going back and forth, there was another match that took place uh, between two young guys and one and the heel had a, a valet with him. Uh, a young girl. I mean, she looked like she was maybe 15 come to find out she was like 23, 24 years old, but she looked very young. And so she's out there working the crowd and she was doing a great job. And, and, you know, the two guys in the ring were doing very good stuff. So there, there is a point where they go outside the ring and the girl kind of goes up and is you know, like shoving the guy, the baby face and the guy goes and he goes to, you know, like he's hauling back to hit her and he doesn't because of course he's the baby face and he hauls back into, and I jump up and I go, wait a minute, you're going to go ahead and slugger there, Johnny Depp. And like, there's this audible groan from the crowd, like, <laughs> Oh, and I turn around and I go, what too soon. And literally the verdict had come in like the day before. So, you know, I'm always timely Barry with the pop culture references.
1: When I'm working a crowd heckling, you were right on top of it. And that. That the uh, the heel was a guy called Brian Atomic, and his I'm assuming it's his girlfriend that's with him, but she plays the valet, very athletic. Apparently, I think Sean was telling us she's a gymnast or something similar. Her name's Tiny Tanelli, which is interesting. It just popped up on my Facebook as we're speaking, but she was good. You know, again, ten bucks. 10 bucks, yeah. Jeff, is like, you know, you go, and I'm not, this is not a comparison to the WWE, but, you know, the cheapest tickets tend to be $30, $40, and if you want a good seed, that'll probably run you 100 or a couple hundred bucks. I've been to WWE shows. I haven't had as much fun as I did at this show for $10.
0: And, you know, I, I don't mean this in a way as a disparaging comment at all, but to me, I would equate it to, uh, you know, if you got a chance to go to a baseball game, and you pay, you know, 40 bucks for a ticket, and you're sitting like 40 rows up uh, away from the field. Whereas if you go to a minor league baseball game, you pay 10 bucks, and you're probably sitting on the third baseline maybe three or four rows up, you know, uh, because that, that's what we would do. When, instead of going to see the Marlins, who I would never spend money on, by the way, because that's a, the, the ownership group there when I lived in South Florida, but we would drive up the road uh, just north of Jupiter or just north of Palm Beach to Jupiter and see a Hammerheads game We'd pay like less than ten dollars, and we would sit right on, you know, like right on the dugout. And you know, you you get to interact with the players. You have more fun, especially if you're doing a little heckling. And so this kind of show, not only are you supporting young guys just getting into the wrestling business, you're supporting a a friend of our show in uh, in Sean Davis, who was at the fan fest. Very appreciative of all the the time that we spent. The guys that came there that supported, you know, this group that he's trying to, you know keep going and and get these young guys and, and young ladies uh, the benefit of some experience and how to work in front of a crowd. And, you know, and I told him, I said, look, and I'll just give this an example. We were talking to him and I said, you know, the young girl that you mentioned, what was her name again? Tiny Tinelli. Okay. It w- was very uh-huh. fun interacting with the crowd, but I told, and I told Sean this, I go, what she wants to be careful doing is not to interact the way she was with us because she wasn't interacting like, you know, sit down and shut your mouth. She was, like, joking with us about stuff. And I said she doesn't want to do it so much that it ends up distracting her from what's going on in the ring to where if there's a spot she needs to be a certain you know place at, you know, she doesn't want to end up, you know, joking around with us. And all of a sudden, oops, I missed my cue. I was supposed to be over there. You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. I, I think that's fair criticism. Because other than that, she was lots of fun. Uh, she and the guys in the ring were were lots of fun. We had a super, super time. So Barry, then there was the fan fest itself, another successful outing
1: for you and Mister Penzer. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a, a it was it was successful, not as financially successful, but I'll explain why. But it was a uh, commercially, uh, you know, people were very happy. We there was a lot of new faces, people that we had not seen. Part of what bit us in the butt, and we kind of knew this was going to happen, was we we have a policy, which is still in effect that if you miss a fan fest, we will allow you to utilize the ticket at a later date. And uh the last two now we had, we had not done a fan fest since November. Prior to that, it had been November of 2019, I guess, right? So pandemic. Had, pandemic. Yeah. So the pandemic and what had happened was we had to, and especially in November because the variant, the pandemic, the, uh, the COVID variant was around. So we had to make up something like 24 tickets. And uh, that that certainly cuts down the profits tremendously. I know that Penzer was grousing about this at glory days at night. I heard from somebody. Oh, wait a somebody, minute. Uh, Penzer <laughs> bitching about money? So somebody, and, and I won't mention who, you know, but uh, if he wants to out himself, but a good friend of ours and somebody we both really like. Said, well, I know why you call him cash money penzer now. And I was like, why? And they said, uh, well, basically he was saying that I gave away too many free tickets. And I and so I had to correct it. I didn't give you know, look, like I, I always have a couple of comps there. You know, you're obviously one of them. And uh I there's a couple of comps that I put out, but at the same time, it isn't that I'm handing out a thousand comps, it's that we had to make up essentially 24 ultra tickets from the, the past two events. Which I do believe is the right thing to do, especially because I like everybody and consider everybody a friend that comes to the fan fest. So commercially successful, financially, unfortunately, not at the level of what the last one was. But uh, at the same time, and I didn't feel great, but what I did get to do was something that I normally don't and that as I I slow down, usually I'm like the Energizer bunny. I'm just Buzzing around the room and just you know and I, and I tend to miss a lot of things because of that I really slowed down I I sat at the table with you and Kim and thank you to Kim for uh, for you know ordering lunch for us and I got to say I was talking to uh, to Linda about this the other day so I, I did have COVID I should say I tested negative twice prior to going to the fan fest because I clearly wasn't going to expose anyone to that but with COVID, I only crave two foods currently. One is orange chicken or General Tso's chicken and fried rice. The other is that sub that I got from Capriati's, which is like this turkey and coleslaw sub. So that was fantastic. But I got to spend time with you guys. We got to sit at the table. Ozzy had a great time, Jeff, and I think that was the key, is a key. You're a
0: star of the show, Ozzy.
1: At, without a doubt. and I just let Ozzy go. He stays in the room. And he goes up to everybody. He just wants you to scratch and pet him. Uh, if you have pizza, as Rodney Sobelson did, uh, and Rodney said, yeah, Ozzy kept coming up and giving me his paw because he wanted food. I'm like,
0: oh, yeah. When I had my sandwich right? or my
1: sub, oh, big mooch,
0: big What mooch. did you tell me? Almost as big a mooch as Molly, right?
1: Oh, yeah. The, the
0: queen of all moochers. Uh, <laughs> you know, so if, she and, if she and Ozzy had a child, look out world. That's all I'll say. That's uh, it. But uh, yeah, no, uh, super fun. So uh, Medusa, uh, as we referenced in the opening of the show, it's in the book. Uh, that's uh, was one of the things. But she told some great stories. Uh, had, you know, other people there were uh, great seeing Kevin Sullivan, Steve Kern, uh, some other uh, guys that had been at the uh, the fan fest before. But then, of course, the uh, the highlight of the evening, uh, besides the uh, the appearance. Of uh, of all the great stars was the appearance by uh, Barry Darsaw and Bill Edie, uh during their Q and A uh, segment. And uh, wow, Barry, that's it's always so much fun uh, hearing those guys tell the stories of their days and and interacting with the fans at the Q and A.
1: Yeah, we should say, too. So Jeff has been the moderator for the dinner portion since the first event, which was dinner. Am with... I now
0: the moderator emeritus?
1: I think you are. I, I usually use the word emeritus. It is. I usually handle the bumpers of the uh, the open and the close, which are quick. Uh, we did the cup of coffee with Medusa. That goes about an hour. And then I did uh, Ray Lloyd Glacier afterwards, which went about an hour. I wasn't feeling good during the Medusa one, and I was at one point, Jeff, going to say, Jeff, get on up here, finish this up, because uh, I found myself needing to go lay down for a bit. But both were great. You did a great job with the demolition. And, you know, it's so cool. In, in demolition, I had a chance. And I should say, too, I think some of our some of the brothership actually got to have breakfast with uh, demolition on Saturday as they were sitting in the, uh, the area where we served breakfast at the hotel and they got to spend some time with them but what i like about when you get you know these guys they're not used to fan fest like this this is a something that is completely different they're used to the the long lines the uh the exchange of money that this isn't like that you pay to come in i think bill leedy was doing something very commendable i think he had there were replicas i don't know maybe they were the originals of the wwf tag team titles and you could take a photo with he and Demolition with those. It was $40, but all that money went to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And somebody came up and said, oh, I didn't know that. And I said, look, the the best part is you just you really did something great by donating money to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. But what I like about it is that because the guys are so used to what a typical fan fest is, this is unique for them. And and the chance that they get to sit they get to eat some food, and the food was very good. We got we had the pork again, which seems to be the winner of uh, of the meals that we serve. Uh, which and they enjoyed the food. You had some excellent questions. The audience, the the fans and attendance had excellent questions. But because this is a more intimate atmosphere, I feel like these guys really open up to us, where you wouldn't get that at one of the larger shows, Jeff. Well, let me
0: just uh, talk about a couple of personal pet peeves from the Q&A session. Number one, we have a large group there that's uh, waiting to ask questions. And, you know, honestly, you have some people that eh, may be a little bit shy about, you know, jumping up and asking somebody uh, a question, but as the, the process gets, you know, you're further and further and they've answered a few questions, people get more comfortable. Uh, they raise their hand and, you know, they're they're glad to be called on. So first of all, if you've already asked a question, Yeah, don't raise your hand another two or three times. Barry, I think you know who I'm talking about. And if you do that, when we take, because what we do is we like 30, 45 minutes, and then we kind of take a pause and everyone starts going up and getting their meal and stuff like that. And then at some point, the wrestlers themselves will stop and they'll go up and get their meal and, you know, make themselves a plate. They'll go back to the table where the, you know, the front of the room and they're eating their dinner while they're eating their dinner, this is not the time for you to go up and bother them as
1: they're eating food. Jeff, so I'm going to interrupt you because so what happens during this, and this is because of working in restaurants.
0: Server or manager?
1: Manager. And I should say server too, but as a manager, but part of it is, is that when it's time for the food service, I get very focused. So what I do is, I'll go and touch tables and say, why don't you guys go up? And then when it comes to the talent, I wait until the last three tables have to go. I let the talent go. And then the last three tables go. I missed what you're talking about, but I have a suspicion. Is this the same guy that was asking a lot of questions and trying to put himself over? So that's a solid yes. So, let's talk about this guy. We we don't need to bring up any names or anything like that. But so there were there were a couple people that and look, the whole idea if Jeff says, "Does anybody have a question? We certainly want you to ask a question. We want you to be involved because look, it makes it more interesting." At the same time, it doesn't mean that you've got to ask 10 questions because there are other people in the room. The other aspect is this individual spent more time trying to get himself over and trying to get over his facebook groups and did it essentially on my dime you want to run a fan fest you want to get yourself over with your groups and everything else more power to you at the same time there is a level of disrespect that occurred with that do i mind tremendously i really don't do i mind if if someone's eating especially our guests that you're up either bothering them as they're eating and you couldn't give them the chance to eat. Yes. That bothers me a little bit, Jeff. And, you know, giving the person the benefit of the doubt, if we had gone
0: and done uh, all the Q and a session and people that were interested in asking a question, were done. And I said, is there anybody that hasn't asked a question that, that wants to ask and nobody raised their hand? And the only person left that had questions was this individual, and he still had one or two questions asked that's not a big deal i would have I would have happily reached out and said, "Oh, yeah, what's your next question?" But he's raising his hand over and over again as there's people out in the crowd that have questions, and you know, I would sit there and say, "Oh yeah, so and so Bob." And this guy's over there waving his arms, you know, like he's horse shack and welcome back God, or, How's that for a dated reference, Barry? That's you know, pretty good. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's just like, come on, dude, let other people ask questions. That's all I was going to say. The other thing well, I, I just. But,
1: but part of it, too, and certainly I don't want to belabor this at all. Fifty percent of of what he was saying was never phrased as a question. It was more about my Facebook groups. Yeah. So that I found that you know, it had nothing to do with anything. And uh, we all looked at and each he, other. They, 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 uh, uh,
0: Demolition was inducted into his Facebook group's Hall yes. of Fame. Yes. How, how about it? And he starts applauding and, like, you know, the proverbial smattering of applause as he was trying to get his group over. So I, I also forgot to mention definitely the funniest part of the morning session is when, uh, our old friend Chris, uh, Chris Z stands up to ask a question to Medusa Macelli and, uh, so then Medusa, perfect timing, give her credit for it, says, sir, would you mind standing up? And he was already standing. And yes. Got it, was Chris. And it got a huge pop from the crowd. And Chris, uh, to his credit, really played it off and, and had a good laugh with it. It was uh, a good time by all, Barry. Uh, so, Barry, any announcements early in the game here as to when you
1: might be looking at for the next FanFest? So as I've taken a week to recover, we are just starting uh, now to kind of get everything up. We initially had said the first then, Saturday. Uh, again,
0: Barry, having trouble getting it up? Is that what
1: you're saying? I'm having trouble. Get, yes. That's well, what you are we just
0: recovering from COVID. So go ahead.
1: And that's it. It's another COVID effect. We initially had discussed, uh, and I think we had made this public to people that were there, that we were looking at the first Saturday in June, we have flipped it over again we don't have any talent yet or anything like that <laughs> we're now looking at the 12th of november which is the following saturday because i believe friday is a holiday yes, and people correct. would be off so i know jamie ward was was looking for that second saturday in november he's got it now
0: those postal workers always looking for a day off i'm just going to say that uh but yeah, lots of fun. Any uh, any names you want to drop yet, uh, Bear?
1: So Neg- let's just say this: Are any negotiations currently ongoing? So I mean, we're Penzer and I are in discussions. Uh, he has got a solid idea, and he wants. So it without revealing too much because this could qu- easily change in a heartbeat. There is something that occurred in in the. Early to mid eighties that changed the landscape of professional wrestling. And Penzer wants to see if we can possibly get people that were involved there to discuss this.
0: You finally and, secured Vince McMahon.
1: My s- God, that's a huge right? kid. Yeah. And how do we do that? <laughs> how do we yeah, how do so we it's like that Coke Zero money? That's it. Newton White coming through. So uh we are in negotiations. There's about ten names on our list that we're going through. So it's really just a matter of financially being able to make all this happen. The potential for biggest fan fest. And when I say biggest, maybe the deepest talent roster we've had, the potential is there for this one. All righty. So <clears throat> now let's talk a little movies
0: and television, Barry, because Ooh. you know we both uh uh have had some time away, you with your uh your sickness and missing part of the patreon by the way <clears throat>
1: but anyway highest ratings ever for the yes, one I missed. me Don't
0: and care. me and lou bringing home the ratings that's all i'm gonna say breaking kayfabe with badrin and kibbleman coming to you at a theater <laughs> near you soon uh so i want to mention before we get to the television shows i had a chance to see one of barry's favorite movie stars tom cruise barry loves his movies i went and saw top gun maverick barry i have to tell you i know you're not a, a tom cruise fan this movie, absolutely fantastic. One of the best times I've had this is probably since the whole effing pandemic started. The best time we've had a movie since the whole pandemic started, Barry. What have you heard about Top Gun Maverick?
1: I have heard so much positive that I want to see this movie. And yes. uh, I, Linda and I were talking about it yesterday. We were going to go. Uh, I just I, I just didn't feel like going anywhere. Uh, I was still fighting a fever at times, all this shit. That sticks with me now. But uh, I, I'm i really excited to see it. And I got to tell you, I get goosebumps because I know that there is a scene. And look, Val Kilmer will always be one of my favorite actors of all time. And what Val's been through the last five years, uh, he has no voice. They actually, I believe they have gone through and pulled his voice from prior recordings and somehow weaved it in so that he speaks. But apparently there is a scene between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer that has to be seen. And I get goosebumps thinking about it. I have a feeling I'll tear up a little bit when I see it because you saw the the documentary Val, right? Yes. And, you know, if you don't get a little weepy when you see that, uh, you don't have a heart. Acting means so much to him, and I, you know, the fact that he got a chance to be in this movie, I think, probably means the world to him. As a fan, that means so much to me. There were two movies that I wanted to see this year, this being one of them, the other being the new Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. The reviews of that have told me I do not want to see that movie. And yet, uh, as I predicted, it
0: made a whole ton of money last weekend, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I was look. I'm excited. Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, yes, Lori yes. Dern, everybody's back, and then the reviews are so bad. But the reviews for Maverick, and I think the common denominator with these reviews, Jeff, is that if people are saying it's better than the original Top Gun. It's it completely much, 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 much better. So I I didn't love the original Top Gun for whatever reason. I'm actually really excited to see to see Maverick.
0: Well, you know, I, I tell you one of the things it does, and I'm going to mention another movie I just saw also. Uh, is it ties a lot of the storyline together. Uh, you know, I I enjoyed the first Top Gun, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this movie has changed my entire life and being. You know, it was like, oh yeah, it was good. You know, good soundtrack, stuff like that. But I mean, there are people that will sit there and, you know, like uh, recite lines from that movie. Like it was like going to church, you know? And, and it's just like, to me, it was like a good movie. I don't think it was Tom Cruise's best movie, uh, you know? And- whatever, but this, you know, I knew enough about the whole plot from the first one to where things that were mentioned in this new top gun Maverick that called back uh, the original movie. I understood what they were doing. And some of the, God, some of the scenes with the fighter jets and stuff like that are just absolutely breathtaking filmmaking. Uh, And
1: did you, did you hear about that too? And I don't know if it was you that told me or where I heard it, but, they had to rent the fighter jets. I'm yeah, guessing. it was like 11,000
0: bucks an hour or something yeah, like that. From yeah, go-
1: exactly. From the government.
0: yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, you got Tom Cruise money, though. It's not that big a deal. So, But I will say, for all the criticism about Tom Cruise as a human being, which we have heard plenty, the fact that he got Val Kilmer in this movie and and did the scene with Val Kilmer, uh, you know, I think that was a very nice gesture on his part. And he, uh, he definitely deserves uh, credit for that. I will also mention that after good Lord, Barry, I can't believe as a James Bond of file that I finally got around to watching no time to die. And, you know, it, it's now available And I posted on my Facebook page that it's now available on Amazon prime for free, which is kind of an anomaly. It's like, you know, jumbo shrimp. Uh, but it, you, you know, up until a couple of days ago, not only with your prime subscription, did you have to pay to continue to see no time to die, but you know, uh, which I think, you know, it's ridiculous. You're paying a subscription, and then you have to pay an additional fee just to watch this movie sure. that's now out of the theaters. But now it's, quote-unquote, free with your subscription. Like I said, jumbo shrimp, military intelligence, that kind of thing. Uh, it's an old George Carlin joke. Um, But I finally got a chance to watch it. Did I think it was, like, the greatest John, James Bond movie ever? No, but I really enjoyed it. Did a great job of tying a nice little bow around the james bond uh, mythology and myth uh with uh callbacks to characters from other movies and uh people sort of getting their go home scene if you will and tying the the arc of the daniel craig james bond uh all into a nice bow did you ever see that barry i never did no yeah a uh, great great action there's some great action but one of the complaints i had the movie they turned him into the damn terminator he killed like a hundred people in this movie i think you know it's just like you know. Come on, enough already. I I don't know if Sean Connery killed ten guys in a movie, and here Daniel Craig's going through an entire army. And I didn't really like Rami Malek as the villain in this movie. And I like I loved him in the you know uh, what is it The Bohemian Rhapsody. He was fantastic in that, and I loved him in Mr. Robot. I just you know I didn't really he didn't really click for me the way that you know some of the other Bond villains have. So now let's move to television. Barry finally you had a chance to catch up on Stranger Things season four. What have you thought?
1: Oh, so this is deep with this one. So there were a lot of things that I liked about it and some things that I didn't like about it. Which would you like to hear first, Jeff? Very Mm -hmm. dark. Will you not agree with me on that? Very dark. I mean, the, the entire episode is dark. This is arguably the scariest maybe of the four seasons. And I, it's a, a combination. I think the music, uh, they've really certainly Running Up a Hill by Kate Bush is played, I believe, in every episode. Running Up That Hill. Running Up That Hill. I used to hate that song. It actually grew on me a little bit because I was hearing it nonstop. A couple of things. I, I like this this season, I, and I guess we're, we have two more episodes coming. It's seven episodes is the initial. I will tell you uh, things that uh, let, let me say, I, Matthew Modine does a great job of a guy that I want to beat the shit out of, uh, he, which means he's doing a great job, right? He's a heel, and he's— Private is, Joker has aged on us, Barry. Oh, my God. is he? He's aged. Uh, with fucking Vision Quest. He was a high school yeah, student. Like, yeah. I mean, how many years has that been? I don't know. But Matthew Modine plays, I think, one of the most evil heels because he's essentially abusing children. He's just a horrible, horrible person. In this, I, I, and, I and just uh, I don't mean to interrupt. Just to I clarify, think? for the most part, it's not
0: physical abuse of
1: children. No,
0: no, it's it, it's, it's emotional and mental abuse
1: of children. Yeah. No, there is saying. some physical. We should yeah. say with the shock collar and shit like that. But what he puts these kids through, I would assume the way that this show is structured, that he has got a massive receipt coming to him. Over the next two episodes, uh, what I think I would think as I looked at this season, one thing really bothered me. Let let me first, let me let me actually let me backtrack a little bit. I really liked I really liked Hopper being in the Russian jail. Like I I was like, this is really interesting. The steps that they're taking to get him out. Is it realistic? Yeah, not really. Right. (laughs) Like it's not especially the ending. But. I got to say, he does a great job as far as acting. I like that storyline. What really bothered me the most this year is the abuse and bullying that Elle takes from the start of the first episode all the way till the end of the seventh episode. And the abuse, essentially, and just to fill you in, she has moved to a new town. She is a new student at a school. And she is bullied and abused by other students on a daily basis. And it's heartbreaking. I think she spends every episode crying. It's it's at times heartbreaking to watch. And then, of course, she winds up back with Papa, who is an abuser, and then she's being abused in a different way. And I just felt like, you know, seven episodes of her being abused at some point, You know, and I want to think redemption comes with the final two episodes. But I got to say, I think there was a little bit of overkill with the abuse, especially from the high school students. It was just it was tough stuff. And I I just for whatever reason, and you know, I'm not somebody that was bullied a lot. At the same time, when I see it, I just go, my God, it seems so painful. And she really does do a good job with it. And the kids have grown, as you pointed out. I mean, Finn Wolfhart is like six five at this point. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like literally, I expect to see him in the NBA. He's a tall, thin, lanky kid at this point. But uh the kids have really grown up. Interesting storyline. I thought the the last ten minutes of the seventh episode, when everything was made clear about what had been going on, it was kind of a holy shit moment.
0: Oh, you mean when uh What's the guy's name? Uh, Volka
1: or what is it? Yeah, Vecna. Vecna, Vecna. When, when you, it, you find it, out who Vecna yeah, is, Yeah, that was that was that pretty good was stuff. huge. And there was also, you know, there was other stuff that was going on. But seeing that was, I thought that was incredible. And well, actually, who I, I don't want to spoil, but the beginning of this season, you're led to believe L has done something terrible. And by the seventh episode, it's explained it was an L that did something terrible. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll
0: say, uh, I, pretty much all your points spot on. Uh, the only thing I will say regarding the bullying that she uh, is put through. Sure. Uh, yes, it's it's painful to watch that. I'm going to just say, though, yeah, it was a different time in the mid 80s, you know, and a lot of stuff that now is uh, definitely not tolerated that there are, you know, all these kind of. Uh, things that are put into, uh, safeguard children, you know, as, as well as you can. Uh, but the stuff that you see in the show, uh, I saw the, I, you know, I, I mean, I didn't get, I didn't see a kid get hit in the face with a skate, but you know, I saw kids that were bullied. Uh, I'm sure you did when you were in school, uh, you know, sure. at, at your exclusive uh, private school that you went to. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so, I mean, you have to take that with a grain of salt and realize that you know this is not some uh, sort of safeguarded campus that these kids are on. Uh, she's bullied by these kids, and uh, the girl that's sort of the lead bully, she's basically extremely believable, you know, and what she does as the bully because that's kind of what was going on there. So Barry, next I have to ask you something that we have not done Uh-oh. in quite a while, and it's time once again, Barry Rose, we have not played F. Mary or kill? Not wow, verb, kill. All right, kill, kill, kill. Barry, are you ready to play? F Mary or kill? Uh, so yeah, guns ablaze and bring it out. I am going to offer you a rare chance at four. So here I'm going to give you four ladies, okay? okay? And once again, as always, in their prime. Four ladies, not three, because I'm nothing if not what? You're a giver,
1: but Thanks. so you. This- Wait, this begs the question Am I effing to marrying to no, 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 no. or
0: killing there's to? There's going to be an F, there's going to be a marry, there's going to be a kill, and there's going to be, let's just say it's a uh-huh. F-M-K-K, F M K K, because it's uh-huh. one that you kill and one that you misspell and, and kick to the curb. How about that? Okay, I like it. Okay, so Barry Rose, number one in her prime, Angie Dickinson. In her prime, Raquel Welch. In her prime, Victoria Principal, in her prime, Olivia Newton-John. What you got?
1: Gotcha. And what was the other K for?
0: Uh, that was a C. Kick to the curb. Kick to the curb.
1: Or uh, a curb kick. Uh, <sighs> FMKK.
0: So, so or kick.
1: I got to say, of all the women on that list, boy, did I have a crush on Victoria Principal. In her, uh, at her peak, and even before her peak. And we haven't seen her in years. I just thought she was just stunningly beautiful. So I would marry her. What a minute, Barry Rose,
0: as we speak, I am getting ready to send you some of the images that I collected. So you can look and you can uh, tell me when you get them. Yep, hold on. Because the uh, image of Victoria Principal that I got is actually a younger Victoria Principal, uh, pre-Dallas, if you will. So. Is this when she was doing these modeling shots? Probably, yeah. So yeah. tell me if you uh, you should have gotten
1: I did. all of I them. I've got a bunch that just came through. Uh, dun, dun. So it's Angie Dickinson. It is Raquel Welch. Oh, my God. Nice I picture mean, of her, huh? I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, how do you, you know? Yeah, so Victoria Principal, absolutely. I would marry. I would F. Olivia. I, I'm going off these photos too. I would F Olivia Newton, John. That's if Linda lets me, uh, I, I would F That'd uh, be nice of her. Yeah, I would. By the way, while you're, while you're looking through
0: that, uh, why don't you tell the folks about what you, uh, what you texted me about Linda's response to last week's
1: episode. I, I, I will say so. Uh, we were talking <sighs> today. Is, so we were talking one day last week. And I mentioned to her, it probably would have been Tuesday or Wednesday, that the new episode had dropped, and it was, Jeff had called it the Linda episode, and she said, okay, I'm going to go listen to this. And she she occasionally will listen. She doesn't listen to every episode, which is probably a good thing. But she said, I'm going to listen. She calls me back some 20 minutes later. She has tears in her eyes, and I can hear it in her voice. And she goes, I'm so touched that you would say that i I don't you know she was almost speechless, and she wanted me to thank you, which I will now do publicly as well for that, but she was just really touched and moved by the conversation we had had and the words that we had said, so with that, Angie Dickinson is going to get the axe i uh I respect Angie Dickinson, I know that she was the uh the female stud of uh of that era of Hollywood, but for whatever reason i you know I like her but I don't know. Uh, And then Raquel Welch probably kicked to the curb. That's a great photo of Raquel Welch. And I always did find her beautiful. Nothing's going to beat Victoria Principal right now. And I got to tell you that even that Olivia Newton John photo, she's coming up roses with that. So I'm going to slightly
0: disagree with you on that. What? Yes. Shockingly, we occasionally do. I am going to, uh, I'm going to kill Raquel. Because you know okay. why? Raquel is a beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous woman, very sexy. But I've also heard some things. Oh, absolutely. A little bit difficult to work uh, with, a little bit of a difficult personality. So I'm taking all that into the equation. And, yeah, I'm sure right now there's somebody out there going, how the hell can you kick Raquel Welch to the curb? Well, I did it. I'm the host of the show. My guy, I can do anything I want. I am absolutely going to F Angie Dickinson in her prime. Because, by God, Angie Dickinson was good enough for Frank Sinatra and the boys, so she must have had <clears throat> some talents. I'm just going to say that. Now, the choice comes down to Victoria and Olivia. Who am I going to kill? Who am I going to marry? Well, I'm going to marry Olivia Newton-John. So, shockingly, what kill Victoria Principal. Because Olivia Newton-John, she's like, you know, she's a sweetheart. She's a girl from Greece. Come on. The good girl and the bad girl of her personality. So, uh, yeah, controversial opinion. We'll post the pictures. See what you agree with and who you agree with and who you disagree with. And if you disagree, how dare you at this point, Barry? How dare you? Very quick question. I know that you uh, visit your kid, Zach, at, uh, at Pitt. And uh, we've announced that the lovely Zoe will be attending Pitt. I recently, for the uh, uh, those that don't know this, I just today sent Barry a list of the top Pittsburgh barbecue restaurants that he can check out when he goes to visit his kids. But that's not why I bring this up. Barry, the other day, I'm flipping through the channels. And holy shit, Barry, I can't believe it's been almost 40 years. Barry Rose, you, of course, have seen. Flash dance.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. oh, what a feeling,
0: you know, Jennifer Beals, uh, you know, uh, Michael uh, Nori, and uh, your boy from uh, the punk rock guy that played the uh, sleazy bar owner. What was his name? Was it John Doe? Uh, I think that's the guy. Anyway, so I was sitting there watching flash dance and I wanted to ask myself, has flash dance? Number one, has it aged well? Number two, because we have a certain someone that we both know that lives in the Pittsburgh area. Yes. How has Pittsburgh changed in almost forty years? In other words, if you watch the movie, you live in Pittsburgh. Are there sites that you're like, "Oh yeah, that's where uh, that restaurant is over to the right there." Uh, holy crap, what is this? It doesn't look anything like this anymore. You know that kind of thing. So uh, before we get in there, Barry, tell me, the first time you saw Flashdance, was it like when it first came on the theater or on TV? Do you remember?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in the, I was dating – look, I'll, I'll pull a John McAdam right now. I was dating oh. this girl. Yeah, nobody's ever seen her, but yeah. she somehow exists. But I was dating a young girl. Did you I, meet I met Larry's,
0: Larry's Abisco when uh, you were working <laughs> for witchies.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I took her to witchies to meet Larry. And, uh, yeah, but I was – Did uh, you have a
0: skinny tie and were you was drawn
1: to? <laughs> I did have skinny ties, though, Jeff. That was more of the Duran Duran influence. Now, there uh, you go. Back in those – days, you used shop in Chess King also? <laughs> There's the gen, very they, obscure reference there. They, there, is, uh, there is probably 85% of our listening audience right now Googling, going, what the fuck was Chess King? What <laughs> was Chess King, right? They've been gone for years. But uh, I, I did have skinny ties. And so I was dating this girl, which was really my first serious girlfriend, which I remember. And uh, she said, I want to go see this movie Flashdance. Look, it was, a big, it was iconic at the time and maybe still is. It was a big deal. And she took me to see the movie, and uh, the movie was fun. It was, you know, to me, especially in hindsight, when I look back, it's essentially, take out Jennifer Beals, who's fantastic, just beautiful, everything, she's fantastic. But it was essentially this elongated music video, Jeff, at least in my opinion. It was essentially— That's absolutely fair. Yeah, it was very visual. There was obviously a lot of music. I think the storyline was almost secondary. It was about – it was the the flash in your face of what was taking place. And it was a fun movie, right? Well, so here's the
0: thing. When I first saw it, uh, I uh, took a girl that I work with at Toys R Us named Lori who ended up marrying a manager, I will say that, after we uh, had finished dating. But took her to see this, and you're right, this was something – even though MTV had been around – for probably about a year or so when this came out, this was like a holy shit, man. I mean, the music was really, you know, kind of toe tapping stuff. Jennifer Beals was amazing, you know, a beautiful, beautiful woman. But then, you know, one of the things I noticed is after it kind of came out that it wasn't Jennifer Beals doing the dance scenes, you know, that it was this other girl who apparently was some very regular, uh sort of fill in in movies uh that require dancing, but um that sort of kind of cooled her off a little bit, but as I watched the movie, one of the things I noticed is, wow, her character is a real bitch in this movie, you know, like Michael nurry tries to get her the the audition with the uh, Pittsburgh ballet or something mm-hmm. like that, and she's super resentful uh that you know that he does this that she's you know feels like she's not getting it on her own merits, and then of course she sees him out to dinner. Uh, with his ex-wife at some charity function. Who's the blonde, Nick? Who's the blonde? And I'm watching this, going, Wow, I, I didn't realize what a what a complete bitch she was. Yes, yeah, she's absolutely beautiful, and she you, uses the feed on him uh, at the restaurant. Remember that scene you know, where she's oh, yeah, I do basically that, giving man. him a, a what amounts to a foot job right there in the restaurant as yeah. she yeah. eats lobster. That's kind of cool. But uh, so anyway, but I wanted to know how has Pittsburgh changed from someone who lives there. Reached out to Zach Rose. Got no response, by the way, Barry. Thanks for nothing. But (laughs) our other Pittsburgh uh, listener, it's our old friend Javorski, who uh, watched the movie a little late on the watch, but he did watch. So here is Stephen Javorski's movie review of Flashdance. He says, quote, as a Pittsburgher. Even though he doesn't like the Steelers, which makes no sense to me. I finally sat down and completely watched Flashdance after all these years. I know I have seen parts here or there. And of course, I'm familiar with the soundtrack. As for the film, it was enjoyable enough. I loved loved recognizing streets and buildings, etc. Overall, it is your typical 80s flick involving romance, working hard, and never giving up on your dream. Also, how can anyone not fall for Alex? By the way, my favorite parts involve Alex, portrayed by Jennifer Beals in a sweatshirt and eating lobster for obvious reasons. Overall, I'd say the city was represented well. You get your typical views of the Pittsburgh her several, and her several bridges. In terms of when Flash Dance came out, I was only six at the time, but I'm pretty sure a place like Mobbies wasn't something you would see in Pittsburgh. To me and others, the city had more of a shot and beer bars at the time. Especially for steel employees finishing up with their shifts. Speaking of the steel industry, it wouldn't be a film based in Pittsburgh unless one of the characters worked in a steel mill. Where does Javorski work, by the way, uh, Barry? Does he
1: work in a steel mill? He works. Uh, no, he works at a strip club, actually. Okay, thank a, you. Yeah. A dancer
0: or bouncer? Oh, wait a he's uh, he's dancer. He's okay, dancer. thank you.
1: Yes, the steel city.
0: Uh, again, a little more respect for Javorsky right now, quite frankly. Yes, the steel city was barely even. Still, that when the movie was released. In fact, there hasn't been. Steel produced in the city limits in forever. So as I was growing up, it wasn't a thing, if you will, at least for me when thinking of Pittsburgh. Since then, Pittsburgh has been able to transform itself into a medical, tech, education, and financial hotspot. I always hate, say, when watching a Steelers game, when they show clips of inside the last remaining steel mill in the area. I say that because that doesn't represent the Pittsburgh I've known most of my life to me. The city has a lot more to offer than just Steele and Pramanthi Brothers. Man, it's easier for you to say, mister. So, uh, Barry, like I said, Zach not responding to Uncle Jeff. So I reached out to, oh, it's our old friend, Benji Fido. I said, Benji, can you watch Flashdance for me? Uh, Benji, of course, available at the drop of a hat, said, of course. He watched He said, I want to apologize about not getting this sooner to you. Flashdance, the start of the 1980s movies, where the lead, has dreams of greatness and those around her support her and she gets discouraged and then falls for the boss who happens to be, oh, falls for the guy who happens to be her boss. She sees her friends fail and questions if she should continue. In the end, she does win. A typical 80s movie with a great soundtrack and waterfall and the waterfalling scene, which is amazing. Doesn't matter about the body double. It's a popcorn movie that if if it's on, you can stop and watch. By the way, let's talk about that uh, that water scene Barry when she's in the oh. chair. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was that was that's pretty smoking hot stuff uh almost 40 years later. I think it does hold up and people feel better when they see the ending. And why not? What other movie can have a song originally written about a killer and then turn into a song about hard work and dancing? I think he's talking about maniac, maniac. Uh so Let's talk about a couple of the other characters. You have her friend who's the ice uh, skater falls. Dad goes out onto the ice to save her. Then she's got the real annoying friend. That's the comedian, you know, with the weird laugh, with the, where's oh, the hat? Yeah. You know, super annoying character, that guy. And then of course her friend, when she fails at the ice skating, uh, uh automatically boom, becomes a stripper. Yeah. Cause isn't that what happens to most failed ice, uh, skaters? They uh, automatically go to stripping. Well, it uh,
1: happened to Tanya Harding, who actually put out an X-rated videotape, which got in, you know no one wants to see, first off. We should clearly identify that. Not now, a big Tanya
0: uh, Harding <coughs> fan. Or,
1: well, have you ever seen the video? Uh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is see the video to not be a fan. Then you would see why. But wasn't the skater, wasn't that Cynthia Rhodes? No. No. So who, who was Cynthia Rhodes in the movie? Uh,
0: she was one of the dancers, but she was not the skater. Okay, because she's the one who married Richard Marks. Marks, yes, and then somehow he ended up uh, divorcing her years later. And then I always married, love those marriages. You're married like 35, 40 years. Nah, this just isn't working out. I'm going to divorce you. Well, I,
1: Jeff, I was married for, geez, for 23 years. Like so. I said. <laughs> I'm like part I said. of the group, right. Uh, but You're no Richard too. Marks, my friend. <laughs> uh, well, and, and my ex was no Cynthia Rhodes. Wow. But, but he wound up marrying Daisy Fuentes of MTV fame, so he still did well for himself.
0: Yes, Richard Marks. He will be right here waiting.
1: That's oh, my, you know, That's
0: the only Richard did. Marks song I can think of right off the top of my head. So, yeah, we will uh, post a link. Flash dance. What a feeling. Uh, Irene Cara with the uh, this, the hit single from that, as well as Michael Zambello with Maniac. Uh, there was some uh, some other stuff that was good on the uh, soundtrack. Uh, we will post a link to the trailer for this movie. Uh, but, yeah, Jennifer Beals. Watch it just for how hot she is and, uh, and the scene with the, the bucket of water uh, thrown over on the dance floor. Barry, it's time for another edition of Florida man or not. Are we ready to go?
1: No, we're never ready to go, Jeff.
0: Let me just put this out there for the brother shippers and the listeners. Uh, you know, when we do the Florida man or not segment, I, I get people bear that, uh, you know, send me, uh, suggestions on stuff to do. So here's a little hint. If the story involves someone dying, that, chances are it's not going to be a good Florida man or not segment. Uh, you know, so, uh, I'm just a, Barry. I get somebody that sent me one of those. I'm not going to mention any names. <clears throat> Neely J. I think. Uh, you know, if, if someone dies in the story, it's never a good idea to to send that to me because it's quite frankly not going to get used. Barry, the headline though of our first story says: Traveler flew with 23 pounds of cocaine hidden in his wheelchair. Traveler arrived with a motorized wheelchair and a secret cargo hidden in his cushions. 23 pounds. Of cocaine. Anybody in our group that might be interested in the 23 pounds of cocaine? Uh, somebody we may have just <laughs> spoken about uh, off air. No, I'm not going to mention that. Uh, so uh, he arrived. I will say his uh, his departure point was uh, Dominican Republic. Oh, uh, that's where he came from. I'm not disparaging our listeners in the Dominican Republic. Shout out to all of you. Officers examined the chair and discovered packages full of cocaine hidden within the chair seat cushion. There were a total of four packages. Weighing in at 23 pounds, estimated street value, $378,000. I don't know about you, Barry, but I could probably retire on that. Wow. Uh, Let's see. uh, Let's see. So, Barry, that's kind of pretty much the body of the story. Florida man or not, did this take place in Florida, the the seizure, if you
1: will? Ah, Well, he's flying from the Dominican Republic. South Florida was the cocaine capital of the U.S., if not the world at one point, that that's, that's been a few years still. Maybe I don't really know. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say he was flying from the Dominican to New York, Charlotte North. Kacalaki. Wow. Yes.
0: Apparently this huge drug hub, uh, you know, so I thought that that was kind of a, one of the things that made this very interesting to me was uh, instead of flying to like a big, you know, uh, uh, Place like uh, Miami or New York or L.A. where you associate—I don't want to say you associate—but you know the smuggling coming in. <laughs> that's Not that's not using. Not using. Of course, I'm just talking <laughs> about you just where they drop the stuff off, or uh, you know your uh, your distribution. Uh, based on my vast knowledge of the distribution network of the certain cocaine cartels, but I, I Charlotte, North Carolina—that's not the it's first odd. place I think. Yeah, so. yeah. 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 I think yeah. Next story, job, Barry. Customer, kicked out for not wearing pants, goes on glass-smashing rampage at restaurant. <clears throat> Barry, the story begins. Chinese restaurant was vandalized Saturday afternoon. by It was by a regular customer, too. That's uh, one of the things that's awesome. Oh, so, been, wait, so the regular customer yes. doesn't wear pants when he goes out to well, eat. All right. All right. Uh, but uh, he'd be kicked out of the establishment early in the day for not wearing pants. The disgruntled man returned with a hammer. p.m. It It's nice. It was right before the rush hour. That was awful nice of him. Smashing doors, windows, and the glass surrounding the food bar, according to the owner and security footage. He went to our store many times already today. I already asked my worker. My worker said he'd been there before without any pants. Just disgusting. So we told him to go out.
1: He had no underwear,
0: the restaurateur added. So Barry,
1: Florida or not? We are, Jeff, we are nothing if not ethical on this show. Oh, you've and read the story. I've And I've read the story. I did. I mean, how could I? Naked man, pantsless man eating Chinese food. Well, I yeah. read. So, yes, I, I do have to recuse myself. So uh, thank you, Barry, for your uh,
0: absolute honesty. This took place in Queens, New York. I want to know, Barry, do you think that our friend Richard Dawson may have been one of the arresting officers?
1: I we need to find out. We also need to find out if Richard has ever gone to this restaurant before, as well.
0: Uh, yeah, he can give us a food review, whether or not yeah. the, uh, the the food was good. So, Barry, our next story: Augustine Gladney arrested for throwing her boyfriend's mother's ashes Ooh. into a lake after he was caught cheating. Ooh. that's that's pretty that's pretty harsh punishment, Ooh. even for cheating, Barry. That's uh, tough. So so the article goes, Barry, you know how crazy and angry you have to be to do something like this? This is insane behavior. Let me know. This isn't the first time this couple has been involved in some drama. You don't go from regular relationship to throw in someone's mother's ashes in a lake. This is way too extreme. This had to be bubbling for weeks, months, and years for it to get to this point. The couple, the couple never needs to see each other again. The definition of a toxic relationship, the story goes, Barry, Woman has been charged with abuse of a corpse after throwing a boyfriend's wow. mother's ashes into a lake. According to police, the suspect, Augustine Gladney, threw the ashes belonging to her boyfriend's mother into a lake on Monday evening. Police said Smith informed officers that when he returned home, he discovered that his mother's urn was missing. Told officers he'd overheard a phone conversation between Gladney and her daughter who was at their home at the time. According to police, Uh, The victim heard Gladney tell her daughter over the phone that she'd thrown the urn into the lake.
1: Barry Rose, Florida woman or not. So, Jeff, as someone who has worked within the legal system, as you did for over 30 years, is a charge like abuse of a corpse the only thing they could get her on? Because obviously the ashes don't strike me as, as a corpse. So is this just something that they they were like, all right, what are we going to charge her with? What can we get her with? So they, they go this We'll have route. to ask
0: some of the legal scholars in the group. I, I was thinking at first of some sort of a, a criminal mischief charge. Uh, that's a, one of the charges that uh, appears regularly on our docket. But that's only a misdemeanor. And really, uh, are you going to charge somebody? I, I'm not sure if the abuse of a corpse uh, rises to a felonious nature. By the way, excellent use of the word felonious Ooh. nature. I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, so, Barry, Florida woman or not, you didn't answer.
1: Absolutely could have happened in Florida. However, you said threw it into a lake. I'm going to go to the land of, what is it, 10,000 lakes? Minnesota. It happened in Minnesota.
0: Apparently, Barry, you're not familiar with Lake Okeechobee instead of Florida.
1: <laughs> I guess I am, yeah.
0: So, however, it's not Florida. Oh, It is, I believe, Lake Fort Worth as it took place in right outside of Fort Worth, Texas. Destroying the uh, the mother's ashes. So, uh, Barry, our next Florida man or not story. Oh, Barry, what haven't we had lately uh, on this show? It's a good masturbating story. I'm sure you'll agree. Oh, yeah. uh, Barry, 20-year-old man ended up in the hospital for a week after he suffered a rare lung injury while masturbating. I hate when that happens. Let's see. According to a report published in the May issue of Radiology Case Reports. Barry, you uh, read Radiology Case Reports on a regular I- basis? I don't just read them. I collect every okay, issue. Okay, thank you. Okay. Hey, maybe we have to check the back issues for stories like this. Oh, the yeah. man visited the emergency room after experiencing, quote, sudden onset of su- of sharp chest pains, followed by a shortness of breath. Well, the shortness of breath, we can probably understand. While lying in bed masturbating. Upon examination, the doctors found the patient's face had swollen and distinct cracking noises could be heard when he breathed in and out. His case history showed that he suffered from mild asthma. An x-ray of the patient's chest revealed that he had a rare condition called, I don't even want to begin, it's about 27 letters, or when the air circulating through the respiratory system ends up escaping into the space in the chest between the two lungs. The man's air sacs were all, excellent use of the word air sacs, (laughs) sacs. were also damaged, and he required high doses of oxygen. This was one jerk-off session for the ages, Barry. He can, uh, this condition can be caused by physical trauma to the lungs or the esophagus. It can also spontaneously arise when a sudden increase in pressure within the chest cavity causes a tear in certain lung membranes, allowing air to breathe. This guy's twenty years old. He's jerking off, and he has a lung injury. Barry, how, did, how, how? I mean,
1: you know, look, I, you and I—I'll I, speak for me. That—that that would be fair. Well, yeah. What,
0: what? What? What were exactly. you going to say?
1: I—I've got a good forty-five years there of this. I, never.
0: Now, I'm never. Catholic. Never in my Okay. Oh, know, was, okay.
1: For me never no had no a no lung no injury. No, no, I mean certainly I've, I I might have damaged other parts of my body but never my lungs. That's that's bizarre.
0: Is it bent now because of overuse my lungs? Uh, no. The other uh apparatus.
1: Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh.
0: What's that it, called? Uh, President Clinton had the one that kind of went sideways
1: according to uh, Monica Lewinsky. Anyway, Barry Florida man or not. That's called Peroni's disease and I got to tell you Every time I hear the commercial for that, I start to shake. It's one of those that literally <laughs> shake. wait a minute, shake
0: oh. it or shake, uh, you know,
1: physically to physically. Okay, like I get freaked clarifying. out by it. That this happened in Florida, absolutely. Switzerland, Barry. We go
0: all around the world for a good Florida man or not story. Yes, this took place uh, in Switzerland in May. Uh, wow, Barry. That is definitely.
1: That explains it, though. That explains the lung issue. Switzerland, he's hot Look at up. you
0: being all scientific.
1: Exactly. High, high elevation with the Alps and all this shit, you know? Absolutely makes a lot of sense now. There you go. Barry, we are
0: now turning the corner. We're heading for home. And I'm not talking about the Belmont, because now the Triple Crown is over. And for you folks out there listening to Breaking K-Fabe about it and Barry, the Triple Crown has come to an end. Another episode of Breaking k is almost over. Barry, are you ready for the go home? I'm not. This was so much fun, but I know we got to go. I will say, as I'm wrapping things up, first of all, that we're a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Almost forgot Sweet Lou, but I did not. And as we say goodbye, I will just say, in the words of the great Casey Kasem, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Take it. Home.